Alright folks, this is a little bit late, it's actually Monday I'm recording this, I was trying to get this done last week before the week was out, just to get it at least on a weekly schedule, but uh, work and the heat got the better of me and I was pretty wore out at my lunch break, so I wasn't able to get those done on my lunchtime, I was more or less power napping from all the heat and the stress my gig currently doesn't really have air conditioning, it's a big box store, so they don't have AC in the traditional sense, if at all, so we're kind of um, at the mercy of the elements, part the section I work in, we do have fans, but only does so much, but anyway, so as far as this week's sci-fi fanboy stuff that I've been doing, um, I got HBO Max, so I used that to watch uh, Doctor Who, uh, me and my wife have been watching season one uh, up until... I think we got all the way to the end, yeah, we got all the way to the Parting of the Ways, um, where they switched doctors, Tenet from uh, Eccleston, uh, so uh, re- I haven't rewatched season one start to finish in quite a while, I usually just cherry pick when they were available on Amazon Prime, the apps I liked, and or the two partners I liked, or what have you, and go that route, so it's kind of fun rewatching it and just seeing how the cast changed, the acting changed, the effects changed, I mean, the early digital effects are fine still they're not you know they're obviously still early 2000s but you know they're they don't have that kind of um feel that the old bbc 60s and 70s effects had of like just look we're gonna make it shiny and put it on the screen and pretend it's you know the alien or pretend it's the ship or the planet or whatever so um so they do have a bit of a better framework on their effects and it's not as homespun or homebrew as uh the 60s and 70s stuff was um i finished up dune messiah also i've got this uh book um app called scribd that i've been listening to dune messiah uh, going back and forth from work and it's not as long obviously as the original dune story but it's a, a nice little addendum there's an argument to be made that that book could have all that messiah and dune could have all been one book but understandably at the time when dune came out it was probably the way he had it published was, you know, very, uh, very low, uh, very low rent, basically. The, if I remember right, the original publication company published um, catalogs or, or manuals or uh, things like that. They weren't like a fiction book publishing house. So how he managed to get that done, that's worthy of a story in its own right. Just him getting, Herbert getting the uh, book published uh, at all. I know it was a hard sell and it eventually got traction. Uh, and got a bigger audience, obviously, because it's like considered, or at least they constantly say it's the best-selling sci-fi story ever, um, which I'm a big fan of, so I don't argue that point, but it's just interesting that, you know, it just kind of tells you how massive that story is and how big it is and how outside of the books it's not really well-known if you're not a sci-fi fan of literature sci-fi I should say you may not be aware of Dune unless you're like in my age group what we saw the the David Lynch film that came out as a kid or if you were like in the group that saw the sci-fi miniseries but it has very little footprints in any other media at least any other significant footprints because they've done computer games I know they've done other attempts at it so it's not like it's been forgotten or abandoned it's just translating it from the book to its other media sources either success either doing it right on the production side or 
or getting an audience on the marketing side of it, it's always been an uphill battle. So I know Denis Veneuve has the new movie coming, which I'm excited about. The casting, the 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 look of it, the little bit of previews we saw. Um, a lot of people are doom saying it, you know, like oh it's going to be as bad as the first, blah blah blah. I don't know. Um, just got to wait and see. So um, I also got, sat down and watched uh, Alita. Battle Angel, quite good actually. Um, a lot better than I thought it'd be. I didn't have low expectations per se, but um, it was Rodriguez did a really good job. This is his first really big budget movie that I can think of. A lot of his stuff has been done on uh, like his style of you know that kind of you know hustle and you know work work with what you got aesthetic that he started with in El Mariachi, and even when he moved into doing digital work and um, stuff in his own studio he still kept that kind of mindset to you know make as much as he could but as little as he had and the digital effects lent itself to that kind of uh, mindset instead of him you know getting these big massive um, sound stages he would use you know smaller sets use things on gimbals use you know for car effects um, camera tricks what have you and didn't just have the effects uh, as a supplemental to that but uh, with Cameron, James, James Cameron being a producer on it, he uh, obviously had more money to play with and came through Fox. So with Fox being bought out by Disney, it's curious if they'll even even think of doing a sequel because they left it obviously with a potential to do a sequel. And it's a massive story from the manga, so it's not like there isn't source material to pull from. And uh, overall, it's a good film. It was not any hard eye rolls i really like the you know dystopian sort of steampunky aesthetic everything had the actors all did really good jobs especially the ones with the cg uh cyber bodies uh the actor whose name escapes me but he was francis in the first deadpool plays uh this really hard ass pretty boy cyber uh bounty hunter uh the big gruff um almost linebackerish uh Donnie Hunter that becomes like the muscle of the movie uh, was played by James Earl Haley which is he's completely unrecognizable between the makeup and the CG I didn't know it was him until I read the credits Um, the actress who was the mocap model for Alita plus probably whatever other gymnasts and you know martial artists they use excellent job overall Uh, I like the idea of giving her just slightly bigger eyes I know the first trailer like the first Sonic trailer it was a different model render that kind of was off-putting and smartly Cameron and the folks who did Sonic went back to the drawing board and tightened that up and made it a lot uh, better to a lot more pleasing to look at Um, so you kind of forget GCG for you know a good chunk of the story you know Um, the young actors they had um, playing the supporting staff was really good a supporting cast I should say Um, the um, I'm trying to think of any really problems I have with the movie. Um, I usually like Jennifer Connelly in parts. She was okay. I don't know. Maybe it was just her performance or I don't know. Just wasn't, just didn't pop for me as far as her usual work. I mean, usually I like the work she does in films I've seen her in, but I don't know. It wasn't, a, it didn't drag the movie down per se, but it just wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't quite, wasn't quite there. Um, uh, Christoph Waltz, very good as usual. 
Uh, Mahershala Ali, very cool, very good. I liked him in the movie. I was hoping they'd keep him around, actually, for the sequels. Um, but that didn't happen. And there's even, like, some sequel-baited casting in there with a couple of uh, spots that I was reading about after the movie that they were put there to be a uh, place for the um, any subsequent Battle Angel sequels that they were going to do. Um, but we'll see. Um, but uh, Disney being so massive and taking all the Fox stuff, it may just get lost in the shuffle. It may not even necessarily be something, a non-priority, but just something that they just don't get around to. Um, the other thing, I've been watching Harley Quinn Season 2. Uh, the ep I just watched, not necessarily the most recent ep, but the ep I just watched was the one that uh, showed Batman's return after the what happened in the finale of Season 1. And they started it off with two, I won't, don't want to say incel, but two, shall we say, critical fanboys on the couch in a meta kind of way discussing the show, including wearing t-shirts with release the Snyder Cut, which is funny because they are releasing the Snyder Cut, and then the other guy wearing a t-shirt that says The Last Jedi is not canon. So, um, just, uh, just a little bit of a inter subgenre humor I guess um, but you know the show has got this kind of high octane over the top wackiness that so far they're finding at least to me they're they're at that good proper point of making the stories interesting uh, making the violence over the top it's more or less a villain show really because Batman's a supporting character at best and uh, it's really from their perspective and that was an episode where Harley, uh, not Harley, I'm sorry, where Ivy was basically murdering the entire board of uh, Ace Chemicals while, you know, having this heart-to-heart -heart discussion with Harley as he's pouring toxic waste via her plant control down, their, you know, into their faces. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, as I probably said previously, this is not a show for little kids. It's not a family show. I know sci-fi is supposed to be running season one, so I wonder how hard they're going to censor that show. Um, but so far, the it's cruising along nicely. I know Ivy's engagement to Kite Man gets sidetracked because they're going to basically do the Harley Ivy thing uh, on some level. I don't know if it's just going to be an accidental oops, we slept together thing, or like we're like you know into each other and we need to be a couple thing. I don't know, but we'll see. Um, also, I uh, watched a little bit, I watched it before, but. We watched it again the other day, a couple of episodes of Amazon Prime's Electric Dreams, which was an anthology series based off Philip K. Dick stories. And I'm not like the biggest Philip K. Dick expert. I like his work. Uh, you can definitely tell he doesn't write with a notion of, ah, uh, this is going to be a sequel or a series. So some of the stories I want to read that were based off the episodes they did to see how they differ because rarely is there a Philip K. Dick story that doesn't get meddled with in Hollywood, even when they're trying to quote-unquote be true to the source, because a lot of times Dick stuff gets really, really, like, left field, which works for the way he writes, so it's not as if it's, you know, oh my god, this is just weird, I don't get it. No, it's the way he writes his stories, and they're not always these hard lefts, like the original Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, um, or isn't from my memory anyway because it's been a while since I read it but from my memory it's not 
truly Blade Blade Runner is not that story. It's just sections of it's just about thirty percent of that story. Um, and the whole book has a subtext of identity, which the movie does play with, but in a different way. It's like the difference between Ring and Ringu. They both are kind of have an overlap of subject and tone, but they kind of go in different directions, but execute their versions of the story well. That's the way Dates does, and that's the way Blade Runner does, as far as I'm concerned. But I just want to read the original source material to see how different it is. Because sometimes when folks want to be, quote, true to the story, they make it flat and it's not interesting. Or they try to, quote, spice it up to make it more palatable to a modern audience. And in both cases, those can be good impulses, but at the wrong time, they can be the wrong thing to do. So I'm just curious on how those played out. Because the episodes themselves kind of watching anthology sci-fi since I was a kid from Twilight Zone to the reboot Outer Limits even seen a few episodes of One Step Beyond reruns when I was a kid you kind of can see the rhythm of certain things I mean hell amazing stories too but at least with Outer Limits and Twilight Zone they weren't always a happy ending amazing stories there was always a happy ending you knew as a kid going oh no someone's going to come out of left field and make save the day and everything's going to be wonderful with Outer Limits and Twilight Zone, they definitely were like, it might be good, might be bad. You gotta sit and wait and see. So, um, and Electric Dreams, they, the, the couple we watched, I'd watched before and I remembered thinking, especially the one with Anna Paquin and Terrence Howard, how <clears throat> the initial premise of being put into this kind of virtual game, this immersive game, and you're supposed to try to figure out who's the gamer and who's in the game back and forth but when they initially set up the premise they showed it from the Packlin character's perspective and not the Howard character perspective which I would think they would go with the contemporary angle to suggest that was the quote real world and the sci-fi future world Packlin was in was the fantasy world but instead they approached it out of the sci-fi future world uh, with her wife giving her the game to like relax because the packing character was a cop and they had this big like kind of 80s movie uh criminal cat who killed all, all these cops and you know kind of thing and that would suggest just on its surface even they even address it in the episode that she's this you know badass lesbian cop with you know this gorgeous lesbian wife who always wants to have sex and she's like obviously this has got to be some fantasy um and then the Howard character was this game designer whose wife was killed by the MacGuffin bad guy. And he, we find out in the course of his section of the story, he'd been having an affair with a, uh, a friend who they were like, we need to break it up. We shouldn't be doing this. And then the wife gets killed by the bad guy. So they're feeling extra guilty. And Howard's character has memory issues. Um, so it, it was a lot going on with it. Again, I think it could have been interesting if maybe they had a little more time to flesh it out because I think the hour might not have worked to its advantage because a lot of stuff felt rushed. And it was written by Ronald Moore, who, you know, is a that sci-fi street cred for days with Battlestar Galactica 
and of course uh, Star Trek and I believe the Outlander series I don't know I know when it launched he was a part of it I don't know if he still is because I unfortunately didn't have stars at the time um so yeah overall the Electric Dreams series is a, like a valiant effort C plus it seems like but it just doesn't I don't know just didn't hook me the way I hoped it, it would uh, I'm going to probably give this uh, CBS All Access's uh, Twilight Zone series a try. I know Jordan Peele's in charge of that. And I did watch the first episode uh, when I got the Access service with Camille Nanjani playing this stand-up comic. And it was interesting. It had a nice Twilight Zone feel to it. And they even offer you a chance to watch it in black and white, like the original series, or in color, as it appears uh, in the broadcast. So... Um, I need to watch a few of those to kind of, kind of see, because with any, especially sci-fi show, they kind of take a few apps to kind of get their rhythm, get their groove and see where they want to go with it. Um, so let's see, that's about it, I think. Um, yeah, so I've started, uh, actually one of the, uh, Kevin J. Anderson, uh, Dune books, uh, the based on the House Harkonnen, that trilogy, they're doing House Harkonnen, Atreides, and Kareem, and, or Carino, 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 I can't remember, um, so I've started that one, it's all about Duke, Her at least the beginnings of it starts with a very slim and sexy Duke, uh, I'm sorry, Baron Harkonnen, uh, taking over the, uh, spice, uh, contract from, uh, a different Harkonnen, Eldor, I think it is, um, and snap getting the uh, production back in line and kind of seeing how he rose to power and became the Baron we know from the original Doom story. Um, so, uh, just started that one. So that's, I want to see how that plays out comparing what Anderson and Herbert's son wrote versus what Herbert wrote as far as uh, the book series goes. Because I know some folks like it, some folks don't. I mean, I always liked the first book. I kind of avoided the sequels until recently. So I'll give it a try, see how I like it. Also, I'm looking to uh, read the uh, Alita Battle Angel or Battle Angel Alita manga comics off of um, the Comixology site. They've got a lot of them posted. Um, there's a, several different sagas actually for her, including not only, I think, about nine volumes of the Earthbound stuff, but then there's at least two more big story arcs, including her return to Mars, because there's a suggestion in the movie, because I remember watching the manga back in the 90s, forever ago, and I barely remember it, I just remember her having the 99, being this robot that was found in a scrapyard, and I think at the time it was only, only did two episodes from my research when I was reading them, so that's why I probably felt like it was incomplete, because they only did a couple of apps, where it felt like even then, you know, the manga was cut up and make it look like a movie like they did with Fist of the North Star or they would release um, the recut series uh, over here in sections and volumes, which we which was expected, but that never occurred beyond the, the couple they did uh, that were released in the U.S. in the 90s. So maybe that's why I always felt like I saw some of it, but never all of it. But the idea is interesting, at least especially from the big feature film. It seems, it feels to me like they were really, uh, really um, authentic to the source material. So 
I want to see how that uh, plays out compared to the comic. See how obviously the comic has far more to do and far more room, but some nine volumes just that story alone. So, but uh, maybe like Akira, which was a massive comic and it was able to condense, you know, points from the manga into the anime film. Maybe they'll be able to do that. Uh, maybe they were able to do that with the Alita film. But um, I'm interested in seeing it just to see that kind of style of manga again. I haven't really read those in a long time from like the 90s. Um, if you see them piecemeal and I never, once the big glut up, uh, the manga started, I kind of actually got turned off because it was just so much of it. You're like, goodness, it's just too much to watch. I mean, that's kind of the reason I don't watch anime as much as I used to is there's just so much of it now. I mean, my kids kind of take it for granted where before we had to scrounge and find it like, you know, like rare jewels going through, going into Chinatown and looking through video stores and, you know, knowing people who know somebody who's in the Navy, who was overseas, who brought a videotape over. It's all Japanese, but still you're like, okay, this is cool. This is different. You know, this is like the, the, the stories we wanted to see. I mean, Robotech and Battle of the Planets gave us a taste of it as a kid. Now we were like, yes, this is something we want to see. But, um, but yeah, that's on my agenda is to start the Alita, the Alita manga, um, finish up, uh, catch up today to Harley Quinn, watch a little more, maybe Doctor Who, uh, pick through, see a few more sci-fi flicks and shows, see what's what. I got to finish upload too. That's the other thing I need to do because I watched the first few apps and I probably want to finish that up just to see what they do with it. It's an interesting world. Um... So, and I want, I'm curious if they'll be able to sustain it past one season because the premise, at least from the early apps, seemed like it, it could only go maybe one season unless they do some big change up and which probably is their plan to like, you know, kick the card over and really make it interesting, but we'll see. So, um, I've yammered on enough, it's probably longer than my usual just because I'm my day off and I'm able to speak a little longer, but, um, anybody's listening, I do appreciate it. I'll try to keep up with this at least once a week. And uh, any questions or issues, I'll start. Uh, I'll set up a, some sort of email or Twitter for folks to follow up. And I guess I start sharing this out to folks as well. Um, but yeah, overall, I think that's it for this week. And uh, thank anyone for listening. And you have a good day.